0: This is Ward Morehouse, WXOJLP, Northampton, 103.3 FM, Valley Free Radio. In our polarizing political climate,
1: it's become difficult to find shows willing to discuss, much less listen to, different points of view.
2: Our job is to talk about things we hope you'll find interesting without all the shouting.
1: To disagree without being disagreeable. To provide incisive, factual commentary that cuts through the weekly spin cycle and aims to enlighten, not enrage, our listeners. So tune in for Civil Politics, Friday evenings at 7, here on Valley Free Radio, or anytime at civilpoliticsradio.com. Si puedes planificar asados y bodas, puedes hacer
3: un plan para protegerte a ti y a los tuyos de un desastre natural. Inscríbete para recibir alertas
1: locales, prepara un kit de emergencia y haz un plan de comunicación familiar. Empieza en listo.gov diagonal
0: plan. Un mensaje de FEMA y el Ad Council. Valley Free Radio is funded in part by
1: Moonlit Sea Prints in the Eastworks Building in East Hampton curating Japanese woodblock prints that touch the soul and imagination from the ukiyo-e and Shinhanga period. Mic check. Mic
4: check. Mic check.
1: The views and opinions expressed on WXO JLP are solely those of the original host of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other host, guests, or programs on this station.
4: And you're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Ruthie Woodring, and for today's show, I'm trying to get the volumes right as usual. Usually my voice is a little hard to hear. There's a tape here blocking off the slider from my mic. Maybe that's as loud as it's supposed to go. Um, Let's try mic four, see what mic four says. Um, So yeah, mic four. So I've been out of town for the last uh, most of the month of October. Today is Friday, October 27th. I was in Kentucky. I came back early. Because on Tuesday, October 24th, my very dear friend, I have to breathe deep, breathe deep, Dwayne Rainey, he died. So I was going to play a memorial show. Because the very first show that I did on Out There, that was in... That was actually October 22nd, 2024, nine years ago when I first started out there, and uh, I was very nervous. I was like, what am I going to do? I better invite my best friend in to uh, help me out here and interview him. So, this is uh, Dwayne Brainy from nine years ago, and in terms of his life and death uh Uh, some of us are trying to work on uh, planning a memorial at some point. But here's Dwayne and his wonderful voice, his voice before he got throat cancer in 2020. Oh wait, I should also say that Dwayne also did, had a show on Valley Free Radio called My Generation that he did for I don't know, a couple years, two or three years. A music show that he did um, maybe four, maybe four or five years ago. (coughs)
0: Alright. Robots, this <coughs> Up next is cells.
4: Out There. I'm your host, Ruthie Woodring. And Out There, it goes from 4 to 5, and then from 5 to 6, we have Democracy Now. I have a guest with me in the studio today, Dwayne Rainey. We'll hear from him soon. But first, I want to make an announcement about the Know Your Rights training and potluck in Springfield this evening. Um, from 5.30 to 7.30. Today's, October 22nd, is the National Day Against Police Brutality, and the Western Mass Recovery Learning Center is having a workshop. Um, Don't take your rights for granted. Learn what they are and how to assert them during this free training put together by Arise for Social Justice, the National Lawyers Guild, and the Western Mass Recovery Learning Community. We'll go over different situations, such as traffic stops, door knocks, and pedestrian frisks. When can a police officer search your car? Your home, your person? What is reasonable, suspicion and what is probable cause? Now, that was out of date. (laughs) Obviously, that was from 2014. Hampton. Oh shoot, oh no, I can't do that. Now, to warm us up, here's a song that Dwayne requested. So a theme of Out There is local lives, and I thought of Dwayne. He's pretty local, and he's my friend. So thanks so much, Dwayne, for coming in with me on the maiden voyage of Out There. My pleasure. Um, So uh, where around town might people see you?
3: Probably downtown Northampton or on the bike path or in Florence or all over the place.
4: You live here, you work here, you shop here. You walk here, you bike here.
3: All of the above. Where are you from? I'm from Florence. I was born and raised here in Florence, Massachusetts. And um, I've pretty much lived here all of my life.
4: Um, What kind of work are you doing downtown?
3: I work for um, ServiceNet and the Shelter and Housing Division down in Northampton. Um, And we work with uh, a homeless population and try and help people obtain housing.
4: How did you get your qualifications <laughs> for this job
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes it's it's quite a long list um I was approached about three years ago, and um because of my qualifications um I was asked if I wanted to take and do work at the shelter as a peer, and that's turned into a lot more than just a peer um Yeah, I guess being homeless myself, uh, I've been in the shelters sometimes um, or in jail or pretty much just homeless for around 17 years besides being in jail. Um, And in recovery from uh, addictions, uh, they figured I had some qualifications to help the people that would be coming in through the doors and that's what I try and do.
4: Uh, And you also got the ACE certification?
3: Yeah, I went to Westfield State University and I went through their addiction counseling education uh, program they had over there. So eventually I can become certified as an alcohol and drug counselor.
4: So I'm curious to hear more about your path in life like growing up in Florence. Do you have any stories from your childhood?
3: My childhood? Um, Or
4: you know, your, the home.
3: Yeah. I guess that pretty much well it was in the 60s and my parents they just liked to party so um, I was brought up around alcohol and drugs and uh, it's pretty much what I knew um, yeah it was acceptable or if not funny to sit around and uh, my ass would party or something and here, let them have some of this orange juice, which was spiked with vodka. Um, how, getting, how old were you? Uh, three, four, and I get drunk and stagger around, and they thought that was funny, and I just liked the way it felt. So, um, yeah, it was. It had always been in my life, so that's what I knew.
4: Um, yeah, I remember when I... Well, when I started noticing you around town, maybe six or How could seven, you not? <laughs> <laughs> maybe six or seven years ago, um, I remember one day I was coming back from a tour of the landfill with Karen McQuillan, who was solid waste coordinator at that time, and uh, we were in her car driving down Ryan Road. We just turned off of Glendale Road, and uh, and you were standing out there on Ryan Road with your thumb out, and we went by, and I was like, "Hey, I know that guy," and she was like, "You do." And I was like, yeah. And so she came to her staff, and and we picked you up. And then when you got in, I remember you talking about how you said, oh, yeah, I used to work at the landfill.
3: Yeah, yeah. That was one of my jobs in jail there one time, chasing paper bags, or or plastic bags, which um, a friend of mine, E.T. Meller, said that were very aerodynamic, and (laughs) they were getting caught in the trees and just going all over the fences to catch fences that they had there at the landfill, so... I spent a couple of weeks out there smelling that methane gas and mm-hmm. picking up bags. It was just not a great job.
4: So you're also an accomplished cook and have worked at a lot of restaurants downtown?
3: Yeah. I Another talent that I didn't know I had that I found when, um, I think it was one of my first incarcerations way back in the 80s. I just I wanted to get out of the cell block and... All I wanted to do was scrub pots and pans because I was I was pretty mad that I was locked up. So, um, and next thing you know, I had a talent for cooking, and I ended up doing that for a good twenty years.
4: How did you find out you had the skill?
3: I I got to attribute it to mashed potatoes. Um, Every day at uh, the old Union Street Jail, we would have, like, meat and mashed potatoes and gravy, and that's all I wanted, scrub pots and pans and eat, and one day, I had everything, and I walked over, and there was no mashed potatoes, so I said, hey, where's my mashed potatoes, the guy said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, and so he made them up, and I got them, and I was happy, and. The next night, it was the same thing, and and he said to me, you know what I did last night? I said, yeah. He goes, well, just do it. I said, do I ask you to scrub my pasta and pans? So I did it, and I was under protest, and then they decided that they wanted to make me a cook, and I just had a talent for it, and um, I cooked a lot in public or courtesy of the Hampshire County House of Corrections. Many years ago.
4: And then weren't you working at a restaurant once uh, and someone asked you to fry an egg, scramble an egg, or something like that?
3: To burn an egg? (laughs) No. (laughs) I was working for uh, um, a man, Joe Myers. Uh, He owned a restaurant in town, Myers Eatery down on Pleasant Street. And he was a farmer and he really didn't know much about cooking. And I just got put into this job to do some prep, and next thing you know, I started cooking for him, and Valley Advocate Award, and then another one, so Smith College graduation weekend, the weekend before, uh, the restaurant was packed, and a waitress just comes up and says, this lady wants burnt toast, burnt bacon, burnt eggs. So I said, what? <laughs> so, I made the bacon extra crispy, The toast was kind of black and the eggs were fried and sent them out and a minute later the waitress comes back and says, they're not burnt enough. (laughs) I said, what? Because nobody, I mean, I could cook very well. I'm like, I don't burn stuff so I threw it in the hottest part of the grill and put weights on it and about 10 minutes later and we sent the toast through the toaster until it was glowing orange and no more smoke and sent it out and the waitress came back and she said, She said it's not burnt enough. And by that time, I was very just, I was out of my mind. And I said, Show me the table. And I walked out and very politely said, Excuse me, don't worry about paying for the drinks. They're um, on the house. I said, But would you please kindly get up and leave my restaurant? I said, I have plenty of people standing outside waiting to come in here and eat my food. If you want to burn food, do it at your own house. (laughs) Just please leave. And (laughs) they left. But that was one of the only complaints I ever got about my cooking.
4: (laughs) You also worked at Florence Casket at one point, too, right?
3: Oh, yes. (laughs) I think that was my first job when I got out of the Marine Corps. Um, I would make caskets, which I don't know is slap some wood together but uh, i don't miss opportunities and so every once in a while i'd hop in a casket and cross my arms and what are you doing so i'm checking it out for size (laughs) he says okay that's a little strange um yeah i worked there for about a month and just before i got into the union they fired me um yeah oh well
4: (laughs) How come they fired you?
3: Uh, we only have an hour. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay. Do you don't want to tell that one? No, you don't have to. We,
3: I was down in Florence. And I lived like way about three miles outside of town. And I was with this friend of mine till 3.30 in the morning. And instead of walking all the way out to like Sylvester Road. I said, you know, I'm just, they had these straw bales on this dock at Florence Casket. And I says, I'll just go there and crawl underneath one of the casket covers on these bales and sleep until the morning, uh, a couple hours. And then I hear people going in, and I'll just get up and and go in with the rest of the crowd, Uh, run a comb through my hair. My paycheck was that day, so I was like, you know, then I'll go get something to eat so i was all settled in and i heard this door slide open it was a night watchman and um oh i forgot there was this light on the loading dock and it was really bothering me so i unscrewed it and when the night watchman opened the door he looked and i heard the light switch click 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 and nothing was going on then i heard the light bulb screwing back in and then click and the old man said now i wonder who did that It was October, right around Halloween. I couldn't resist a good opportunity, so I just sat up with a casket cover, pulled it down, said, I did. This poor old man, he couldn't move, he couldn't talk or anything. He just, and I laid back down with a cover over me. And two days later, I was let go. Um, He was one of the owner's relatives or something. Uh, I just, but it was, just seized the moment. (laughs)
4: So the last five years have been pretty different from your first 49. What is? How have you, like has there been any pivotal moment in your life that's helped you to make changes? Um, You've told me some like along the way, like around the turn of the centuries and the readings you you did in jail and things like that. But how have you managed to um, change some bad habits into good?
3: Well, the Hampshire County House of Corrections isn't what they say there. They don't correct you. They'll lock you up. But it's up to each individual to take in and change behaviors. Um, I think through the 90s, I spent, oh, quite a long time. I couldn't stay out of of, uh, their system for more than, two or three months, and I would be locked up again. All, you know, drinking related, of course, but. And I started getting a little nervous. I'm like, ah, oh, something's gotta change because I'm sick and tired of being locked up all the time, and that's not really a lot of fun, so I spent about six years through the 90s cooking for free in Hampshire County House Corrections. Um, getting out and just going back and doing the same thing that got me in there in the first place so it's they have programs up there and they're good programs and everyone that's in there wants to say what the people up there they think want to hear but the test is when you get out and normally when people get out um, they revert back back to the same lifestyle that Pretty much got them in there in the first place. Um, and then I was out for a period of time. I mean, it was mostly because of like, a program or a detox or just an out-and-out out, uh, geographical movement. Like, I moved to Boston for five years and was homeless down there. And you know what? The cops around here in this small town, they weren't pc me down there. Nobody cared, so I was good in a big, big city. And then I came back, and I mean, I wasn't even getting arrested for anything good, (laughs) (laughs) if you want to put it as good.
4: Well, what (laughs) kinds of things did you get arrested for?
3: Open container, PC, I mean, just... It's just kind of harassment just to get you off the street just to see if they can like drive you out of town again and uh, I think my brother had gotten sober around this time and he was telling me oh you gotta get sober and I'm like you know what You it's working for you that's good but and I had been in AA sometimes I had been you know a model prisoner in AA and in jail and, but you have to accept, you know, there's steps and things like that with the AA program. And I did what I call, I had to dumb up because I was too smart. I had the answers. I had, um, loopholes. And, and, a good drunk or drug addict, they always can find a loophole or, or some way to, um, make things fit. And my loophole was, uh, the only requirement was a desire to stop drinking. And I said, well, I got a desire. I just can't stop. And yeah, but for the past five years, a lot of things have changed in my life. And, um, i am thankful to like programs like aa and just new opportunities Mm -hmm. that present themselves the longer that i behave myself
4: (laughs) so when you um so did you like wake up one morning and be like i'm really gonna try again i've hit rock bottom or this is this might be the time that I'm no. gonna stop or stretch? Or how, how, what was that like for you?
3: I really had no idea. I mean, I if I wasn't like being locked up, I was doing a detox circuit. Mm-hmm. And I've got about 40 of those. And there was this woman down at a, a place in Worcester. And she was just big and mean looking. And she said the F word a lot and this stuff wants to kill you. That's all it wants. And I can usually make jokes with anybody. And her, I wasn't even going to, because I figured she'd kick my butt. And But she just said that over and over and over. And it's like, yeah, I know. It wants to kill me. Okay. I Whatever. And I got out, and I didn't really know what I was going to do, except sit on my bench down in Pulaski Park and drink. But for whatever reason uh I saw my brother and he goes oh not drunk yet I said you know just I didn't know what I was gonna do I wound up in a shelter in Greenfield uh like two days later and um I just said well I got a couple days I might as well just roll with this and almost five years later I'm still rolling and got a lot of good friends um A lot of support Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and now I can take and turn that around and try and help and support other people who are are struggling with this disease which it is Um, yeah I had to take and fill up I took the booze out and I had to find things to take and replace it with the hole that left because alcohol had been such a part of my life
4: yeah I remember in the first few years of your sobriety, a lot of people who knew you just being like, wow, you are such a miracle, Dwayne.
3: Yeah, well, I'm just doing the same thing like millions of other people have done. (laughs) I had to dumb up and say, okay, I'm not God, and that was a shock. What, the world doesn't revolve around me? I'm not Mm -hmm. the center of the universe? And um, swallow my pride some and just say, well, How many times do I got to show myself that what I was doing just didn't work? Try something different. Um, Yeah, and so it's the results. I mean, nobody was offering me a job six, seven years ago, um, let alone trusting me. Uh, So yeah, like the song says, it's pretty amazing.
4: (laughs) You've had the same bicycle for how many years <laughs> Ooh, now, too?
3: Yes, I've done many, many, many. Yeah, when I was drinking, I would I'd go through three or four bikes a summer. Um, you know, I'd lose them, I'd crack them up, I'd sell them. They get stolen, and I was just happy that they just rolled. Um, I didn't care about brakes or gears as long as they could roll me to the package store and back. I was good. But wow, yeah, I just replaced a drive uh, train on my bike, and I'm good for another 20,000 miles. I've gone on a lot of long trips, as you know, superheroes. Um, Just took a trip just recently up by Brattleboro, Vermont, and back. Yeah, so I've had the same bike with all gears, brakes, and runs just well for the past almost five years. So that's always a good thing.
4: What have been some of the the rocky spots along the way in the last several years, um, where you you've just felt like uncomfortable or not at ease, where you're like, uh, you know what I mean?
3: Oh yeah. Well, I think one of, one of them um, there was there was different points that. I have to say, I could have went one way or the other. Um, One was at a New Year's Eve party uh, with some people, and um, I was sitting there, and they were playing board games and sipping tea on New Year's Eve, and I felt so out of place. I was like, if these people only knew who I was, they wouldn't have let me in their house. And I just felt really uncomfortable I said, well, I mean, I could take off and not have to deal with it and go get drunk or something and say, well, you know what? Or I could take and just sit there and go with it and get through it. And it made me a stronger person, knowing that certain situations I could actually function in without a drink. And on a New Year's Eve party... Um yeah. I mean just that was one of those times where it was either make it or break it and luckily I got through it.
4: So your work now like what's some of the things you most enjoy about it?
3: The people. Um I am probably one of the first people they see when they come walking through the door. Um, and I'll sit down with them and find out why they're there. I mean, they're usually not coming through the door because their life is great. So they're there because they need some kind of help. And now, I mean, just through practical experience of having been in their position and knowing how to navigate different, Areas I can point them maybe in a direction of where they can get maybe medical help or the resource center. The Hampshire County Re- homeless resource center is set up really well with medical staff, uh, case workers, and what we do is you know just help guide people and and show them directions that they can go whether be at the homeless shelter grove street or the interface shelter during the winter which winter's coming up and uh, the interface shelter will be open but i really enjoy my job i can help i I go to work every day and i think you know well who am i going to help today and i don't know who i'm really going to help that day but I'm there and I do have quite a few answers and I know where to take and point people uh, and then it's up to them of what they want to do.
4: Yeah, you said you've been to 30 or 40 detoxes plus, you know, <laughs> like the, the, the shelters in the area, the jails. Like you really know the system from the inside out and that must give, give you a lot of uh, knowledge and trying to make good fits for people.
3: Yeah, um, everybody's like, unique so uh, you can give them the tools and what they my thing that I believe in is that I'm not going to work harder than the people that come in in the door do Um, I can tell them places that they can go or the help or the services that they can utilize but I'm not going to do it for them. Mm-hmm. They have to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that sometimes can be challenging.
4: Um, so if you just tuned in, you're listening to Valley Free Radio 1033 FM. Um, this is Out There. I'm your host, Ruthie Woodring, and we've um, been talking with Dwayne Rainey. Well, actually, Dwayne's been doing most of the talking. That's his job today. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to have a little clip. This is called Name That Sound. We're on the half hour during Out There. We'll have named that sound. And I'll play a a clip that I recorded from somewhere in Northampton. And if you know what it is, you can call in at at 585-1033. Dwayne's here to answer the phone. And uh, if you know what this sound is, yeah, give us a call and let us know. Let me know, because honestly, I'm not quite sure exactly what it is. I mean, I know what it is, but if you know specifically what it is, then then give us a call. And there's prizes, too. You can have your choice of of four ounces of goat cheese homemade by my brother in Kentucky from his goats, or a duck egg from the backyard in Florence. Now, if you're vegan, I can come up with a vegan option, too. All right, here's some George Jones.
0: I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, no, I wouldn't be here today living and dying with the choices I've made. I was tempted By an early age I found I liked drink Oh, and I never turned it down There were loved ones But I turned them all away Now I'm loving and dying With the choices I've made I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, no, I wouldn't be here today. Living and dying with the choices I I'm paying for the things that I have done, if I could go back. Oh, Lord knows I've run, but I'm still losing. This game of life I play, losing and dying with the choices I've made. I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, I wouldn't be here today. you dying with the choices i would made. Choices I made
4: Welcome back to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Ruthie Woodring, here with Dwayne Rainey in the studio. Um, Before we go on, I want to make an announcement about the Pioneer Valley Workers Center launch and art opening tomorrow. Um, That's Thursday, October 23rd, from 530 to 830. At 25 New South Street, and the launch will take place at the Restaurant Worker Art Opening, and it'll feature visual and performing arts by Northampton restaurant workers. Come and enjoy music, art, light refreshments, and meet our organizing team um, tomorrow from 5:30 to 8:30 at 25 New South Street, Suite 100. So, Dwayne, you got some more stories? all right i need to ask you specific questions okay um so tell me about your tell me about the superheroes rides and also one of the first bike trips long bike trips that you did what was it like to take a long bike trip for the first time
3: uh yeah um my bike trips usually or maybe about a mile or two miles round trip, and that was to a package store, and back to my campsite. Um, well, let say a mile or two miles, because weaving and zigging and zagging, and I, I'm not exactly sure how far they were, but uh, I took a trip, I had an opportunity to take a trip in October, I think, 2011, or 10, Um down in New Britain, Connecticut. Uh, I rode on the Farmington Rail Trail. It was like probably about 50, 60 miles, but you know what? It was great. I mean, it's beautiful rail trail. Um, and I was in shape to take it. And so I had a really good time. I rode down there with you, and I rode back by myself, and people said, what, well, are you crazy? I said, well... I don't know if they were talking about me just riding back by myself or riding 100 miles on a bike.
4: And the bike you rode it on, what was that like?
3: Oh, um, it was kind of a small bike. but
4: <laughs> With fat knobby tires? <laughs>
3: yes, yes. It, it wasn't exactly a, a $3,000 bike, that's for sure. It was more like a $50 Walmart bike, but mm-hmm. eh, I didn't care. Um and it was good. My butt was sore when I got off it. I was like, oh, "I'm not getting back on that bike." And I still had to get back on it and ride another 2.9 miles mm. back to my home. But you know, it was great. It was t- to get outside of around here and a beautiful scenery, especially in October. Um, yeah, it was. It was great. Uh, since then, uh, you introduced me to a superhero bike ride, which I've been on a couple so far. Um, one was in Iowa. Went out to Ames, Iowa, and met up with about 25 other superheroes, and it's really cool. Uh, you get a superhero name, you wear a cape, and you ride around from town to town and just do good deeds for people, and that's, you know, it's it's, it's great uh, just to go into a community and say, hey, who needs help? And they look at you like, do you know anyone that needs help? And they're like, oh, what's this going to cost? Until we start doing work in the community, whether it's a soup kitchen or on a farm. or. And then as soon as people know what we're there for and what we're doing, they're all like, wow, look at this. Um, a couple of years ago, we... We're riding through Michigan, and there's about 25 of us in capes and all. Some people get pretty elaborate. Um, we were riding into uh, Detroit, and then we got some looks. People were snapping pictures, but they were like, wow. Because there's a bunch of crazy-looking white people on bicycles riding into Detroit, and they're like, what are these people doing?
4: Trailers and pots and pans banging. We had the whole kitchen. Yeah. Set and
3: yeah, it's um, the shock effect. I think. Uh, and if if this had happened in Northampton, people wouldn't, you know, really give it a second thought. But just to see, and especially in some some cities like Pontiac and Detroit, that are are really there's a lot of uh, empty houses, a lot of poverty
4: yeah we got a really warm welcome in detroit it was it was really amazing yeah and then where where did you stay where did we stay at night
3: oh well we just camp out wherever um yes we would camp out and um we didn't know where we camp out but you know something uh they put it to the stars or to the wind or whatever it was that they put it to um every night we found some place where we could take it and set up our tents and cook our dinner and just, you know, people stop in and look at us and like, what's up with these people? But, hey, we were just here to take in and and support people and help them with weed in a garden. We we moved a old woman's bed from one floor down to another floor one time and, yeah, so it's, I've enjoyed the times that I've gone because it's just a good opportunity, A, to take a vacation, meet up with people who like enjoy riding bikes and, and helping people.
4: Do you have a superhero name?
3: My superhero name is Split Second.
4: If anyone has not seen Dwayne Splitwood, <laughs> he can do it in a second. <laughs> and then and for your uh, cape and outfit, do you wear some tighty tights?
3: Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) I told my friends if they ever saw me in spandex and little clippy toe shoes, they can shoot me because I've lost my mind. Um, Not a dress up kind of guy. No, no, definitely. um, I'll ride a bike, but usually in work boots and jeans, thank you. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um,
4: Here's another song that Dwayne suggested. Let me think, see if uh...
1: I'm going to make a change for <laughs> once in my life <laughs> It's going to feel real good Going to make a difference Going to make it right <laughs> As I turn up the I My favorite winter cold This wind is blowing my kids in the street but not enough to eat who am I to be blind
4: Thanks for tuning in to Out There on Valley Free Radio. Um, I I did name that sound about 15 minutes ago. No no one's named it. No one's named it.
3: I know. What? It's a bird.
4: Uh, Yeah, we know. (laughs) Well, I'll try and do some research between now and next week and see if I can figure out what it is. If I can't figure it out between next week, I might just have to play it again, and hopefully someone will be listening next week. Who knows what it is? I mean, no one even called in. They could have invented. They could have made up some name, and I would have believed them.
3: Well, you can't text and drive. Um, It's against the law.
4: You think people are driving while they're listening? Is that safe? (laughs) Um, Well, it's 4.48, according to Studio Clock. From 5 to 6 is Democracy Now!, um, I had a few other announcements I wanted to make. One is, this evening at River Valley Market from 6.30 to 8, there's going to be a bucket panier making workshop for to make panniers, to make bike buckets, to hang on the back of your bike rack so you can carry stuff. Um, I have one on my bike, and I find it very useful for throwing everything in. And it's really great because if you want to strap even more stuff on your rack it provides a wide base uh, it's also really good for bike trips because you can use it as a laundry washing bucket and you always have a stool w- when you need to sit down on something just take it off your bike and you there's your seat
3: true <laughs>
4: <laughs> so that's at river valley market this evening from 6 30 to 8. the first part of the workshop is making bike bucket panniers and i will supply materials And the second part of the workshop is winter biking tips. And I'll have a bunch of mittens, gloves, boots, balaclavas, all kinds of gear on hand to give you a demonstration of what works for me and some of my housemates and friends. Uh, A bunch of us do pedal people, so we, we ride bikes and haul trash and are out all year round. And so we've figured out over the years some some gear that will that will keep us warm um let's see and next week on out there i'm going to interview dennis who's a friend of mine who does leaf blowing and other yard care odd job things and uh, a pedal person who does yard care human power yard care. Specifically, I wanted to talk about leaf blowing and leaf raking. Um, it's getting close to Halloween and some of the, the, the noises of the leaf vacuums and choppers and blowers and all those kind of spooked me out a little bit. But I wanted to have a discussion with someone who uses the big machines and someone who uses human power and try and figure out what what are ways that people's needs can be met or desires for, you know, I'm uh, having some technical difficulties here in the studio and listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Ruthie Woodring. Today is October 27th, 2023. If you heard the earlier part of Out There, I was playing an interview with Dwayne Rainey from October of 2014. It was a Dwayne Wa- Rainey Memorial interview that's on the archives, archives of Out There. Dwayne passed. Three days ago, Tuesday, October 24th, Dwayne also did a show here on Valley Free Radio called My Generation. Um, The last four years, he was struggling with throat cancer. Um, But um, if you heard the earlier part of the show, it's really nice for me to hear his pre-throat cancer voice and and, um, all that. So thanks for listening to Out There Today uh, in terms of a memorial service or something for Dwayne, some of us are working on that, trying to figure that out. Hoping to do that soon. Uh, you can feel free to email me, Ruthie, R-U-T-H-Y, at pedalpeople.coop. If you want to be sure you're notified about when a memorial for Dwayne might be. Oh, Yesterday I was staffing the cans for cancer table that Dwayne started when he got diagnosed three, four years ago, and it was my first time back from Kentucky since he died, my first time there since he died, and uh, and I was like, oh, what if someone calls and asks about, or stops by and asks about Dwayne? Sure enough, a man, maybe in his 60s, dropped off a few cans and a couple of bags and said, how's Mr. Rainey? And I said, oh, he died day before yesterday. And the guy says, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I was a judge on the bench for many years, and I always respected how Dwayne continued to like improve himself. And I was like, oh, thanks. I was like, what's your name? He said, Michael Goggins. So I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen you many a time. And I was in the courtroom with Dwayne. Anyway, thanks for listening to out there today, despite the hiccups and coughs and I mean the technological ones. And Democracy Now! Comes on at 5 o'clock. And uh, yeah, I'll be back again next Friday from 4 until 5.
1: I'm Rick Murnane, and you are listening to Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, WXOJ-LP, Northampton. Thank you, Cotton Tree Service, for your support of Valley Free Radio. Family-owned, fully insured, providing tree service in western Massachusetts since